Welcome to Tool Talk from Exegetical Tools, where we discuss quiet practices and quality resources to help you rightly divide the word of truth. Really glad to be here today with Jason Keys. Jason, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Travis. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. It's good to connect with you this morning. Um, we just uh, ran into each other a couple of weeks ago, and here we're talking. I'm glad that we get to connect even from a few states away. You're down in Louisiana. I want our audience yeah. to know... Uh, Dr. Keys, brand newly minted Dr. Keys, that you're the pastor at Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Florine, Louisiana, and Correct. adjunct professor of biblical studies at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and at California Baptist University. So you've got a lot going on, it sounds like. I do, yeah. All right. Yeah. And you're married. Do you guys have children? Yeah, I've been married for uh, six years, going on seven, coming up in, well, next May. And we've got three children. We've got a five year old. And uh, a two-year-old this Friday, our son will be two, and then we have an eight-month-old. Wow. So kind of spread out between the first and second, and then the second and third were just back-to-back. And so, you know, we haven't slept too much in the past two years. (laughs) Doesn't sound Uh, like it. But it's been good. No, no. That's Uh, great. But it's been good. Yeah, it's been sweet. Well, praise God. That's fantastic. And I um, I hope our audience is getting the impression here that you've been doing a lot in a kind of a concentrated period of time. I mean, these last several years, I mentioned you just uh, just were hooded, uh, Ph.D. Mm-hmm. in Biblical Studies here at Midwestern Seminary. Um, and that's uh, that's been, I'm sure, uh, a long time coming, and I'm sure you're enjoying it. What yeah. have you done since then, like that you couldn't really have done before? I made... <laughs> Yesterday, I just made a, a book list of 28 books that I want to read for 2019, and it covers whatever I want to read. There you um, go. So that's, that's kind of nice. That's um, awesome. Yeah, I, you know, I, I defended my dissertation over the summer, so I got everything done pretty early um, to graduate this past fall. And, and so just kind of, you know, spending more time with family. Uh, you know, during the whole program, I, I was working pretty hard just to try to finish it as quick as I could. So um, I've now been able to go back in, in the afternoons and just have coffee with my wife at like one o'clock mm. right after lunch. Um, you know, and just kind of feeding that again and, and making up for, for time that we both, you know, agreed to sacrifice uh, throughout the program. So just that man and, and trying to just play golf when I can now, um, just little things like that, that I couldn't do uh, when I was just working for you know four years. Yeah, no, absolutely. So this is part of what I want to talk about today. You did you did you did your research in um, the revelations. So I want to mm-hmm. I want to talk about the identifying the ideal reader, uh, and I'm interested to hear how you got into that, what led you to that, what you found as you were doing that, what the yeah. particular gap in research was. And so I'd hate for us on this biblical studies podcast not to go there. However, I know that a lot of our audience, I mean myself included, are pursuing a PhD in the realms nearing biblical studies in some way or another. Others are in a pastorate who who love academics, want to be as excellent as they can in understanding the scriptures and maybe consider doctoral studies. Others on the on the other end of that, and they're reminiscing about how it felt to get done, and they're going to uh, live a little bit of a flashback as they listen to this hearing you. Um, but I want to start with that. I want to start about what it means to be both a pastor and a PhD student concurrently, and in your case, apparently, having children all along the way. Yeah. Did you get married before or after you began PhD studies? Yeah, I got married uh, before. So okay. I, we got married in uh, May of 2012, mm-hmm. and then I graduated in December 13 with my MDiv from Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. 
Uh, and so I didn't, I didn't get to begin my PhD studies until, uh, I think it was August of 24. Um, yeah. And just honestly, just trying to find that balance of, of being married and, and also being a PhD student and then jumping into a pastorate kind of at the beginning of my PhD studies. Um, yeah, it was, it was difficult. You know, you're trying to find a good balance of, of how to do life together, of what, what can be sacrificed, um, what can't be sacrificed. Um, and then all along the same way of preparing sermons along the side, you know, Mm -hmm. making visits, loving and caring for the people. Uh, it, it was, it was difficult. You know, it was, it was very difficult at the beginning of it, of the outset especially. Well, yeah, no, absolutely. And so you were at Southwestern doing the MDiv, so you decided to stick with an SBC seminary coming come yeah. to Midwestern. What was your connection up here in KC? Yeah, uh, I, I went through a big, long process, probably for about a year and a half, of trying to figure out where I wanted to go. Like I knew in college, uh, I did my undergraduate at Louisiana College in, in Pineville, I knew in college I wanted to, to do a Ph.D., um, and so it was at the beginning, it was, you know, just kind of within SBC. Then I thought about maybe going on the outside, trying to, you know, go somewhere like do another master's at Duke or Princeton or Yale and trying to go overseas and do something. Um, but then we, uh, after we got, we were married in 2012 and then we found out my wife was pregnant that November. And so everything just, just changed at that point, you know, and, um, those big dreams that I had were no, no longer financially possible. <laughs> and so we, we just kind of settled in that, you know, okay, then that, that's fine. This is what the Lord wants. And so we'll stay in the SBC. Um, so I graduated in 13 and, uh, we moved back to Louisiana and I intended actually to go to a different seminary, um, uh, until, uh, Jason Dusing uh, announced that he was leaving the seminary in Fort Worth at Southwestern and heading, uh, to be the provost of Midwestern Seminary. Um, and so after he made that move, that's when I, Midwestern became even more on my radar of, okay, then maybe we could, this is something else that, that we could look into. Um, and then just, it, it worked out that way. Um, the first time I, I, I never made a tour and I just kind of, you know, looked at stuff online, didn't know any of the professors. And the first time I set foot on campus was for the doctoral colloquium, my first seminar. Wow. Uh, and just, fell in love with it like the, the first day just fell in love with uh the, the faculty and and their their focus on for the church i mean you know that that's dr allen's big vision for the seminary was for the church and that was what i wanted i wanted to be a pastor theologian and those you know they're driven for the church you know you do this for the church and so his vision coupled with deucing going there and uh some of the guys that i that i'd seen from a distance i known for some time uh that were going there, and I thought this this looks like a good option. Um, and so, you know, so the Lord Lord ended us up there, and uh, by His grace, we graduated debt free, uh, no loans or anything was taken out, and He was just faithful to provide just along the way. Um, so, yeah, 2014 to 2018, and thank God we graduated graduated together. What two weeks ago now? Yeah, that's right. So. It was a it was a good day. I had a it was had, a good day. <laughs> yeah, I I done a similar thing. So I finished up. So I'm, I'm just entering PhD studies. Finished up um, MDiv over the summer in August, and so had already begun. And so I was a little worried that it was going to feel a little anticlimactic. But um, mm-hmm. just honestly prayed. Um, my wife and I did the same thing actually. So she, we both finished in August. Walked a couple of weeks ago here, December 2018, and um, I just pray that it would be a meaningful day and it really was. And I trust the same for you, but, um, uh, yeah. so I'm, so 
uh, hopefully some people are doing the math here and, and people have to endure. Um, our listeners have to endure a little bit of me mentioning Midwestern occasionally, just because you know I'm, I'm here, I'm invested. I live here. I work here. I study here. Um, and I, you know, it's, it's kind of in my blood at this point, but, um, hopefully they're doing the math. You've been a pastor at a church in Louisiana while pursuing this PhD in biblical studies in Kansas City, and that's because of the modular program. Was that brand right. new when you began, or was that had it been around? Yeah, I think Travis. At that point, it was it was brand new. I want to say they rolled that program out mm-hmm. the the spring of 2018, right? And so I was I was one of the first to go through it. Uh, and that was another big draw, right? So when he first moved back to Louisiana, I was teaching at a Christian high school in the area. I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't serving as a pastor yet. Um, and so that was a big draw for me. Was I don't have to uproot my family. Um, we can we can live near family, which was the point of us moving back to Louisiana. Like I, I grew, I live in my own hometown. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents are literally just right down the hill. My wife's families are uh, an hour away. So we wanted to be closer to family once we had our firstborn. And, um, and so the option to pursue this rigorous degree and not uproot our families was just, it was just God sent. And there's, I mean, there's also another strength with, um, with the modular program and even the residency. Now I think they do it the same way, just the way that the, the doctoral programs at Midwestern are structured, right? Mm-hmm. So you can take two, uh, two courses in a, in a semester, but you take them one at a time. Right. So the way that I, I worked in my schedule, like I had the uh, the only time I had a, uh, any kind of a break was between the colloquium and my first um, my first you know I guess you could call it a real seminar like my my intensive research seminars, mm-hmm. and it was Old Testament theology, and I had maybe a month or two months off. Sure. Um, and from that point, uh, I was able just to kind of work out my entire schedule how I wanted the entire program to go, to where when my one seminar ended, the next one began two or three days later. Right. So I was able to focus on, you know, one seminar at a time and pastor at the same time. Uh, and that was, I mean, that was huge for us. I mean, it's huge for me and other guys that I know that are pastors. That it's very helpful for them, too. Um, other friends that I have that are taking, you know, two seminars at the same time, I mean, they are just just night and day. They're, they're going at it. Sure. And I... As a pastor, I knew that if that would have happened to me, trying also trying to come up with two sermons a week, uh, it, it would just it would wear me down. Yeah. Um, and so that that was a strength for it. Just one class at a time, I was able then to stop working like at five or four o'clock in the afternoon and just kind of leave it all behind, um, and, and then spend time with family, and not stay up for you know ever at night trying to read and catch up. Um, so yeah, it, that was that's just the strength of the the PhD program, Midwestern Seminary, and it it helps, and honestly, it helps pastors tremendously. You know, whether whether or not they the seminary knows it, or whether or not that's how they intentionally structured it, it helps pastors uh, like like me. It helped me so much. No, absolutely, and that's <clears throat> that's what I've seen as I've connected with other guys who are in that program, and it really does. Not everybody is in a pastorate. Not everybody's called to a pastorate, um, especially through the residency PhD here now. There's um, really trying to equip those who feel their primary calling is in academics, but um, it does seem that that commitment to the local church it, it comes out in that. I mean, you you can yeah. be a pastor in another state, in another country. I know of guys flying in from China to do this. So mm-hmm. let's back up. I'll stop, you know, 
um, glowing about Midwestern. Let's back up and <laughs> yeah. just let's answer the the big picture question: Why pursue a PhD if you feel a calling to be a pastor? Is it like I'll be a pastor until I can level up and go teach, or, or yeah. do you see a? And again, that's me being facetious. That's not how I feel about right, right. the local church, but. Um, uh, why why would you express the need or a, sometimes the need for someone who feels they're calling to be preaching, teaching, shepherding a local church to pursue a Ph.D. in the first place? Yeah. When I was in college, um, I, I was very fortunate to study with, with men who were um, just very influential on me and, and wanted me to read the scriptures in the original language and, and learn theology. Um, and they encouraged us very greatly and, and challenged us really at the same time that if you intend to stand before God's people and preach, you better know what you're going to say. Like you, you, you have to know the scriptures. And so from just from that standpoint, it was, it was just almost like a challenge for me. Well, if I, if I need to know if, if, you know, like James, James three, one says, if I'm going to be held accountable for what I teach, I, I've got to get the most education that I can get. Um, and so for me personally, it, it wasn't – stopping at the MDiv wasn't an option for me. I, I wanted to go on. I wanted to be challenged. I, I mean, again, if I'm preaching before God's people and I'm held accountable, then I need to know more if, if the opportunity arose. So it was, it was mainly just so that I could accurately divide the word truth. Um, so that I would be challenged and pushed to a different level of thinking and of, of writing and of preaching. And, and the PhD, it, even the dissertation, it, it helped me so much more in my preaching than honestly what I had anticipated. Um, because my, my supervisor, uh, Thor Matson, Dr. Thor Matson at Midwestern, uh, he, he pushed for so much clarity and simplicity and not this, you know, highly academic language, but just just be simple, say what you got to say, and then move on, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, it transfer, it just naturally transferred into my preaching, um, to where now I feel much more comfortable standing before God's people and preaching um, than I did two or three years ago when I started the program. And a lot of that comes just from being a pastor and, and serving over time. But I, I think I'm convinced that it, it's also because of the PhD program. So, uh, and, and again, not everybody's afforded this kind of an opportunity. You don't, you don't need a PhD to serve as a pastor. I mean, I know godly men who are pastors who don't have a PhD, and some of them barely have an MDiv, um, and that's okay, right? But for me personally, I wanted to be challenged, and I, I wanted to, to be pushed and to go as high as I could and as far as I could in theological education so that when I stand before God's people, I've, I've done the work. And, and I, I'm able to catch things and see things um, that I, I wouldn't have had I not started a PhD program. So really it was just that I would become a better divider of the word, to be completely honest. No, that's that's fantastic, and that's good to hear. I, I tend to keep thinking as, as I talk to other guys who are considering those kinds of decisions um, from in all kinds of life situations, you know, you married and, and, and having your first kid, others who are um, single, others who are well-established in their families and considering what it would look like to do doctoral studies, and um, these same points kind of come up, and I just 
become continually convinced, especially as I kind of step outside of what is sometimes the bubble of seminary or evangelical scholarship even. Mm -hmm. And I look around at those who are producing academic work with PhDs um, who maybe don't even believe the scriptures they are discussing. As I look around at others who ardently believe in the scriptures and want to serve God's people, but really just don't understand what the word is saying. And I think to myself, we don't need less PhDs in the pulpit. Um, we, we just don't need less educated pastors. So, yeah. I, and I don't hear you advocating for some kind of esoteric, detached way of thinking that sets itself above the rest of the congregation. I mean, you are a church yeah. member as well as a pastor. Um, but right. I also don't hear you saying, let's settle for just good enough. Now, I want to kind of flip this just a little bit. You've talked about what it means to be um, a pastor who pursues the highest level of theological education. You know, we call this a terminal mm-hmm. degree. Um, if you don't kill it, it will kill you, yeah, to kind of paraphrase exactly. John Owen, yeah. right? Someone's <laughs> right. going to die. Um, yeah. But on the flip side, you're now, you know, done with PhD studies, um, and you've been doing some adjunct teaching for a while, again, both at mm-hmm. Western and at California Baptist University, um, and continuing on with that from what we've talked about. So why now, turning the tables as a pastor, why do you, why are you seeking these opportunities to, to teach? What, how does mm-hmm. that dovetail with your calling to that local congregation? Yeah, I think it's, um, also kind of a discipleship aspect of it as well, right? So when I, again, when I was in college, uh, I had the most influential professors and, and godly men influence me tremendously. Um, and they really invested in me and poured into me. And, and I'd always said, if I, if I had the opportunity, I would, maybe I could do that too. You know, kind of just like this pay it forward sure. aspect thing of things. Um, and so online education as of right now, it provides me that opportunity um, I mean, uh, I think the Lord has gifted me in some areas, too, of teaching um, and of just helping and that people think through different things and asking those kind of prodding questions that I was asked and made, you know, force to think through um, in my graduate and now postgraduate level work. Um, and, and I view it kind of as a discipleship tool. Um, and I view it not so much to help the student um, get the highest grade that they can possibly get, but to help them learn and to help them grow in Christ more than what, you know, maybe a grade may reflect. Uh, I, I remember some, at some point in my collegiate career, I made that transition from studying for a grade to studying to, to learn and to know, right? Cause this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. And man, once, once I made that transition, like just everything became so much more enjoyable, mm. you know, like you're you're reading like you know you get your syllabus and you see all these books you have to read and you're like oh man but now it's just when I made that switch it was oh you know nice I get to read about about this different theology or, or you know this work of the in the New Testament or something like that you know and so I try to instill that in my students and they're every beginning of every term my emails are pretty consistently saying like I'm I'm going to challenge you to learn more simply for the sake of the church because of what you're preaching rather than for a grade. And if they can make that transition, the grades, I mean, they come, you know? So I mean, I guess we're kind of more or less getting off topic of, of the initial question of why now I teach, but honestly it's for a discipleship thing. Like, and sure. I, I enjoy teaching and I, a lot of that still can transfer over to the local church 
as well, you know, as I'm, I'm teaching and facilitating these discussion boards and creating these essays, those students are going into the local church themselves, or they will be at some point, and they're teaching. Like, so, so for our, some of the courses they, um, in the Old Testament, they have to draw up like this big theology of the Pentateuch, and they have to do it in a certain, like a sermonic form. And so I'll tell them, save this and add to it and teach it. You know, like it's almost like you're killing two birds with one stone, but I'm also helping them formulate and think through certain theologies within the Pentateuch or within the wisdom literature <clears throat> and taking it and teaching it within the local church. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's basically that would be basically it. Just it's a discipleship thing. I'm, I'm trying to invest and pour into others who are now going into the church and, and they're, you know, teaching or sharing the gospel on the streets or something. That's fantastic. No, absolutely. And I, I think that's I think that's what a lot of people would say. You know, this is a way to kind of exponentially serve local churches, um, not by you know usurping some kind of authority over a particular congregation that I don't really have any authority over, but by investing in and encouraging um, those who will lead. And yeah. I think that that's a that's huge. And so I know that not everyone listening is going to be in a seminary environment where that's kind of their main thing, where everyone they meet is training for some kind of local church ministry, likely pastorate. Um, but I know many are, and I hope that all those listening are connected to a local church in some capacity. And if they have an interest in these things, and if they have the skill to attain knowledge in biblical studies, and I think that they have a responsibility to communicate that yeah. as effectively as they can. And so I hope that our listeners are hearing this and being challenged, encouraged, even convicted. Um, I want to get into your work on the Revelation, but first, I, we got to get into a little bit of the nitty-gritty, okay? I know that with the modular program, it's a little different than with some others, um, but I want to hear about what maybe a week was like, or take this kind of however you want to. What did it look like? You mentioned preparing two sermons a week. I'm sure there are there yeah. are many other duties. You know, you're not just uh, working that one hour on Sunday, as is sometimes right. thought. Although you talked about <laughs> golf right. earlier, and it yeah. kind of made me think you've just become a stereotypical pastor. But I guess for a few months, maybe, um, as you yeah. bask in the glow of being done here with Dr. Wilson. But what did yeah. that look like for you? I mean, uh, like you said... The, uh, one of the things about the modular program for all of its flexibility is if you schedule it right, you're going all the time. Um, right, and that's, I, I think that's good. I really, in this American style, seminary style PhD, where you're doing a, several years of classes before diving into dissertation, which by the way, as much as I want to just get through everything, I think that that's wise. I think it's a good yeah, choice for too. those who are considering different programs. Um, and I'm glad to, yeah, glad to hear that you've had a good experience with it, but it can be kind of grueling. What did that look like for you on an average week? Oh man. Uh, it was the first half of my program looked very different than the second half of my program. Um, the first half of my program, I, my personality is driven to where when I have to do something, that's that's all I focus on, right? Mm -hmm. And so, I, you know, reading these books, writing these papers, writing sermons, and I, I'm just I'm almost working. It seems like almost all day, and I, I don't know it. You know, like, I, I never saw it. So it was probably about a year and a half that I would just I would work until I was done with whatever I had to get done for that day. Um, and then it was it was after or before my seminar, the Pentateuch. Um, my wife and I had a discussion. <laughs> it was, it was almost like a, it was almost like our come to Jesus meeting within the PhD program itself. 
right? Like, and it's funny because I'll, I'll tell people this: like, if you at some point or your wife does not have this, what in the world are we doing crisis within the program? Like, something something's wrong, right? Uh, it, we, we she she helped me see that. Okay, you, you need to like shut down at some point. Like, you can't just work, work, work. And I, I had no idea I was doing this. So, so from then, the second half, of the, well, the second half of my program, what we ended up doing was I had um, off quote unquote office hours or study hours. Uh, my my church is about twenty five thirty minutes from where we live, and it, it's it's relatively small, and so there's no church offices in there. So my uh, in my home, I have this room that's my study where I have you know all my books and stuff. And so my office hours were from are still today from nine a.m. to four p.m. And then once four p.m. hits, then it's done. You know, or you know before nine, I don't I don't go into my study. I don't do anything. It's just family time before nine, and then after four, it's family time again. Yeah. Um, and man, having that schedule was so helpful um, just just for our family. I mean, PhDs are, are very stressful for families. Um, my goal at the very beginning was to to work as hard and as quickly as I could and finish this degree as fast as I could because I didn't want my, my now five-year-old just always remembering, you know, daddy's writing or daddy's working. I, I just I, I didn't want that. So we we made those sacrifices of, you know, my wife sometimes if I needed just to get this paper done or to get this sermon done, that she she goes, you know, spend the day with her family an hour away. Man, I, I missed um I missed, you know, nieces and nephews' birthday parties because I was trying to finish the dissertation before our third was born this past April. Um but working from man, just from nine until four was, was just helpful for us and for our marriage and for our family. Um, for our our church, uh, and it, it made it it made it a little more you know enjoyable. Just the whole program itself. I enjoyed the program to begin with, but it having this set schedule made it a little easier too on our families. Um, and so nine to four, Monday to Friday is what I would work, and then Saturday, um, unless something just happened where I couldn't finish a sermon, Saturdays were off, and then you know Sundays was is church. And you know Wednesdays was a nights of church too. So that's basically what I what I did every week was nine to four was just in my study uh, working. And when it was a dissertation time, and I'm I'm hitting I'm getting near the end, it was you know we just decided okay we've got to get it done. So nine until seven, nine until eight, I would just work. Sure, uh, those are long days, man. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> those, were, those are long days. I'm sure it uh, it helps when the end is in sight. So it does. It does. Um, it does. Yeah, sure. You'll, so, you'll get there. You'll see it. You'll see it too. And you'll be like, man, this is, it's right here. Yeah, that's right. Well, it, it barely feels real for me right now. So it's, uh, I'm in a similar boat as you it got colloquium done. And then I, the next seminar I needed to take, didn't, wasn't going to start for a little while. So it's kind of like a, well, I sort of started, but not really yet in right. earnest, but I'll be in the thick of it. Um, soon enough, actually two days from recording. This is when the next one begins pre-work stuff. Oh, so, yeah. So Good. it's coming, man. Um, Right before Christmas, too. So Merry yeah, Christmas to me. Going to read some N.T. Wright, <laughs> read some Kostenberger from my Kostenberger seminar. So yeah. only, only fitting. Um, now, uh, I'm, I'm suspecting there might be some guys out there going, man, my, my role, you know, whether they're in a pastorate or maybe they work in some kind of other capacity, doesn't <laughs> allow me to be in a study 9 to 4, mm-hmm. Monday to Friday. I'm certain that you had days that you needed to go out 
and visit. Yeah. You needed to go prep something besides just sermons, you know, maybe planning things. Um, so how did you do that? I mean, did you take a week at a time and just go, hey, this week's going to just not not have as much focus on PhD? Or did you have to pretty much have a, a, a requiem amount of of work on your PhD no matter what? I mean, what happens when a wrench yeah. is thrown? Right. Yeah. My, my situation is very unique. Uh, when I, when I took the church where I am now, they, you know, I told them at the very beginning, this is what I want to do. This is, you know, I'm in this program and they were like, look, man, you know, that that's great. You're, you know, you're a father, you know, you're a student, you, know, you don't have to be doing going, going, going like you, you know, you go, people are sick or whatever. We just want you to preach and, and give us the word. So my, my situation was very unique and, and I try, and I took advantage of it as best as I could. But when life happens, right, this, this is what I tell the students, like if, whenever life happens, uh, you just have to, you have to adapt the best that you can. And, um, and that, that's sometimes what I would do. Uh, we had a, a one year, one fall and uh, two years ago, two November ago, we had a tragic accident within our church. Um, and it was just this, it was a week of just of grieving and mourning and, and being with the family that, you know, it, it really just put PhD work in perspective. And it was just, you know what, this, that's not important right now. Um, you, you basically, you just take it week by week. I mean, that honestly, that's what I did. And I would figure out what I needed to do for this week and I would do it. And if, um, you know, if something would come up, and if I needed to stay up later, I would stay up later. If I needed to get up at three or four, and and do what I had to do, I, I that's just the way I was. I'm built, and I just I worked and I got it done. Um, but yeah, I mean, life happens, you know. In, in this degree, like you said, it's it's not the end all to end all. I mean, it's the terminal degree. You know, this is the last degree. But in the big scheme of things, it's it's nice, but. You know, if life happens and you've got to go somewhere else or your grade has to drop down or you just have to take a week by week and trust that the Lord is going to use you in whatever the pastorate that you have or you're working in this uh, separate job and you just you trust and you keep working. Amen. Um, it, you just take it week by week. And it was it's tough. You know, I say that now looking on it, looking at it from this side, sure. um, you know, but whenever you're in the, the grit of it. And something happens and you just, you have it all weighing on you. And then you remember, oh, I forgot to <laughs> to do this. Um, you just you just trust the Lord and you, you do what you can and you keep moving. 